my calculations are correct, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. It's showtime. Right, welcome everybody to another episode of the VHS Strikes Back. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hi, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to the VHS Strikes Back, the show where we journey back through the movies of yesteryear. And Chris, I haven't brought up my notes for my <laughs> usual <laughs> intro so, <laughs> you get you the drill. You know you what it is. <laughs> you nearly went into the office then. You go, well, life is less stationary. <laughs> I was waiting Where for life that. is stationary. That's it, yeah. It's just you literally, know what? my brain was thinking, which fucking podcast are we doing tonight? I can't remember. So, yes, it's the VHS one, isn't it? Yeah, it is, Dave. But, but I've got to say, as soon as you went off a little bit, then I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Oh, what's this is doing here? <laughs> I thought, as soon as my mouth gets going, I'll just remember. It's only like a couple of sentences, but it's just like, (laughs) yeah, like I say, all the the different ones we do, it all got muddled up a bit there. Anyway, Chris, I think (laughs) we probably started off on the same footing that we're going to go through this episode with, to be quite (laughs) honest with you. What are we going to review this week? Well, Dave, we're going back to 1997. And it's a film starring Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, and Mila Jovicich. And that's probably not how you spell her name, Dave. (laughs) It's a film that I said last week, Terry Gilliam directed, which was actually 12 Monkeys. But this one is the fifth (laughs) element. So have you seen this before, Dave? Yes. So this is, uh, I have a distinct memory of the one time that I watched this before. And it was from that video shop. I was was up in Preston at the time. I had this little flat uh, with a video shop just down the road. Honestly, when I think back to that, it was so convenient. I basically had a pizza shop next door and a video shop uh, a little bit, like literally two minutes away. Pie and chips as well, across the road, £1.50, Chris. Oh, dear me. It's not even worth, like, cooking for £1.50, is it? No. Brilliant. Um, So, yeah, and watched it then, and it was one of those, I thought, this is a movie I should love. And, you know, it's got Bruce Willis, it's got a hot lady who I didn't know, you know, was Mila Jovovich at at the time, but, you know, it's going to be great. And that was not the... (laughs) that was not what I saw Um, so I had no real uh, desire to watch that again but I know that there's a huge amount of love for this as well Um, so I don't think we're going to be terribly popular today not that that ever stops us (laughs) no because I know I know where you're gonna go if I feel like this way about a sci-fi movie so uh, have you seen it before Chris I have Dave I think around about this time obviously Bruce Willis I think he'd just been in Pulp Fiction and in that and John McClane all over I think Die Hard 3 possibly was around about the same time he wasn't on he wasn't on the slide but he'd had a few turkeys and he like i know a lot of people mm. like like hudson hawk and that i've never been a massive fan of that but there's a couple of his lower budget action movies that i still well i'm bored with I, I do love bruce willis dave he can put on that white vest now at 63 64 years old and he's still john mcclain i just think he is john mcclain in every single film there's no <laughs> yeah the one film that blew me away where I thought it was really good was when I went to the cinema, I had no context of it. And I know it's uh, M. Night Shyamalan again was Sixth Sense. And that is a film that mm. we talk about across all our podcasts is 
once you've watched it once, I've never watched it again, but I thought it was an amazing film because of the real twist. You know, I'm not going to go, you've never seen it. I know it's 21 years old or whatever, but it blew me away when I watched it in 99, 2000, whenever it came out. And he was really good in that, a completely different character. But this, for me, is just literally John McClane on the backdrop of fucking Battlestar Galactica or fucking Buck Rogers' fucking budget, Dave. Um, yeah, John McClane in space. It, yeah, John McClane. He's got a yellow vest on as well. It's just John McClane. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so of course uh, there's Unbreakable as well. He was quite good. Good in film, that. yeah, yeah. He's good yeah, in that. didn't play, didn't quite play the John McClane everyman role. So yeah, I think I don't know. I I think you can't argue with those Die Hard movies and Sixth Sense as well. But I do think he's his body of work is really quite patchy. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I do, and, and I believe Dave. Like you, no, sorry, I believe. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that's my story. You put me on to this, didn't you? About Kevin Smith, about him. Was it you oh, sent that thing yeah, to me? Yeah. Fucking hell, he, he, he needs to take a serious look at himself. Does, does old Brucey there? Because I think he's starting to believe the hype. And um, I think he's believed it for a long time. Yeah. So yeah, it's all on YouTube, isn't it? I think it was yeah. Brett Scott who, who sent it through. Where, Kevin Smith's telling this story and, you know, he's so excited to work with Bruce Willis and everything. And, uh, you know, he's telling this hypothetical, you know, in quote marks, hypothetical story because he's kind of badgered into it, isn't he? Yes. He doesn't really want to get himself into trouble. But, um, you know, he's he's there with Bruce Willis and someone drives past and, uh, what is it? He, he sh- someone shouts, die hard, I think it is, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, Kevin Smith's sort of fanboying out. He's like, oh, that must be so fucking brilliant. Like, people who just shout, die hard, or John McClane out here. And Bruce Willis says, I hate the ones who shout, die hard, the most. <laughs> it's like, you absolute see you next Tuesday. You know, just you've got no idea the admiration people have for you and you just hate them all. And, uh, you know, it's just, he does does come across like a bit of a tool really, doesn't he? He does. And you know what, Dave, I forgot to tell you this, and this is perfect for me to bring it up. So I've really started playing Call of Duty Warzone. It's the free Battle Royale game. I love Battle Royale modes. You probably don't, basically, Battle Royale modes are, Dave, 100 people, you're dropping in a helicopter or a plane and the map shrinks by every two to three minutes and to the point where you'll have six or seven people in little a little circle. The basically the circle shrinks on this island map. It's it's like you know, Fortnite, PUBG, which is my favorite, but I've been really playing Warzone. Dave, they went back to the 80s because Call of Duty Black Ops that came out this year is set in the 80s. So you've got like a Robert Redford type guy and all that. He only brought out a couple of weeks ago, Dave, John Rambo and John McClane. Oh, so nice. me, me, I play it, we play all the time. So there's me, my brother Adam, my brother Javier, Jordan, uh, my nephew Kyle. These four of us play it all the time. We were playing it last night. Kyle's amazing at it and goes absolutely fucking mental at us all because we're just so shit compared to him. Even though I can hold my own, he's like next level. Our Adam goes for fucking Rambo and it looks like Stallone, it's perfect, but <laughs> you can point stuff out on the map 
So Rambo fucking whispers, he's like, come on, let's go. And it's really fucking, but he's dead low and I've got like the proper Xbox headphones. You know when you pick up like was, that seven... Rambo playing Shut as Batman? Up. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> come on, let's go. <laughs> but he's like, honestly, whispers. However, John McClane's one, which winds up my fucking nephew because they're on the same team. You can hear dialogue, so you can, you can like spot people or spot vehicles or spot ammo and, and the, your, your normal players player would just like point it out but because i paid they've paid fucking 16 pound 50 for john mclean because uh, they've put a nakatomi plaza building in the middle of the map now and <laughs> so i'm on it and all john mclean does he goes thanks but he does this thing so when you spot like another character like a someone you're gonna go up against he goes i love doing it and fucking kyle goes and he just goes Drop it, dickhead. It's the police. And he just keeps doing it. <laughs> Bruce Willis. And he's running around the map, Dave, with the white vest on and no shoes. It's fucking brilliant. And I just, I'm always pressing. It's like, stop fucking pressing it. Because you have to hear the footsteps in that game, you know, because of people like coming to get you. You can work out where they are and hide and all that. And all I keep doing is that. And you've got my brother, my other brother, well, Kyle's dad's Adam. So Adam's got, oh, he's doing fucking Rambo, like the two 40 year old idiots that we are. And he's just going, come on. Let's go. And I'm going, drop it, dickhead. It's the police. And we just keep doing this all the way through. Then when we get killed, we make sure Kyle disconnects. We do it to him all the time. But yeah, that's my Bruce Willis story for today. <laughs> really. so, surely playing as Rambo in Call of Duty is like playing on cheat mode. I mean, um, he's got to be pretty much invincible, hasn't he? No, he's not. He's just a character. He's just a weapon skin, a character skin. So you get a set of guns. So he has got the M16, you know, the Rambo M16. He's got the knife and he's got the... But you're not any more powerful than anyone else. So when you when you mm. drop in the map, you've got no weapons. You have to scavenge weapons out of buildings, back of trucks, stuff like that. Then there's a certain th- a loadout drop you get where you have to pay a load of money. Then you get the special weapons. But it doesn't make him more invincible john mcclain's the same i've got i've got two guns i've got an mp5 like which is what he uses in the film a lot the one that we know when he's holding it down the the lift shaft uh, the air conditioning shaft and he's holding on and then he falls Mm -hmm. that's an mp5 then he has an assault rifle when he does to ali goes welcome to the party pal and he does all that well (laughs) you've got them guns and stuff like that but yeah because they were saying they're gonna bring a terminator one and everyone's like well that's just bullshit because nobody can kill the terminator so so, because he's saying in the 80s everyone's saying we need rambo or we need you know um Kyle Reese would be a better option there. Well, that's been discussed, Dave. So Kyle Reese said a T-800, but also, sorry, I said Rambo there. I meant John Matrix. So you want Arnie as, oh, like, right, Commando yeah, or yeah. someone. Someone, yeah. or even Fingy out of Predator. You know what I mean? So, so he's he's human, but he's a badass sort Dutch. of thing. Dutch, yeah, Dutch. So, uh, but yeah. That's, Dylan. Uh, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> you could just constantly do the, the macho handshake. Dave, if I could just press a button when I spot someone in it's Arnie going, I'll be back. I'll just be doing that all the way through the game. <laughs> awesome. Now, today, you know, this is the choice of Patreon Dylan Beecroft. Uh, and Dylan, I apologize because I don't think you're going to like what's going to come after this trailer.
Now, Dave, just before we go into anything, I've been a bit slack this last week, but guys, stay tuned because we I've had a week off. There's going to be the return of the polls. I've got a few up my sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> They've not gone well for us, Dave, the last few ones. There's been random people winning the polls, random actors and actresses, but I've got a few up my sleeve, so just stay tuned because they are... I don't know why, but as the little child, everyone else probably thinks this is just... They know it's me being an idiot because I think Glyn said on one of the posts we've put, he went, there's no way Chris has written this. <laughs> it was something you'd put, Dave, and I'm just like, yep. Yeah. That wasn't me, uh, Glenn. Something to do with planning. It yeah, planning. Oh, that was even... <laughs> reading the old calendar. Looking at your own schedule. <laughs> and Glenn, you're fucking right, my friend. Yeah, yeah. So, right. So in 1914, we've got aliens known as Mondo Showans, and they meet their human contact, who's a priest of a secret order at an ancient Egyptian temple. They take for safekeeping the only weapon capable of defeating a great evil which appears every 5,000 years. They promise to return the weapon before the great evil's re-emergence. The weapon consists of the four classical elements as four engraved stones plus a fifth element in a sarcophagus. And then we go to 2263 Chris. Now what do you make to the opening of this movie? I'll be As honest with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's got. You know what was quite quite uh, humbling, I suppose, is the amount of actors and well, mainly actors, not actresses, in this movie who are not with us anymore. So we get to see Luke Perry at the time. He was massive because of Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two, and I was watching it all the time, so I knew exactly who he was. I think he's a bit underused in this movie because he's a good actor. He's a bit like the bumbling idiot who's there with the priests and stuff. He's got the gun. I'll be honest, Dave, I watched five minutes of it and I thought, am I watching the right film here? Is this the right <laughs> fifth element? Because I couldn't remember going, you know, the start in, in 1914. And then these weird alien things that come in and obviously Luke Perry then takes a pot shot at when, when the priest is like, no, no, it's fine. He's, he was talking to them. And then when we pass forward, the one thing I'd say, when we go to 2063, I will give the film credit because I do think... The cinematography and and it's the there's a game just been out called Cyberpunk which is absolutely woeful. It's just completely not finished at all. However, it's in a world like this, Dave. Very mm. very similar. This Cyberpunk era is but he's quite fashionable in gaming now. So there's quite a lot of games coming out or have been out in the last couple of years that have got a Cyberpunk feel. So I do think a lot of the effects in the future are pretty good. A lot of the sort of CGI stuff or the green screen stuff. But then it'll just go to like a scene where it looks like they're filming on the set of fucking Neighbours or some fucking daytime TV, you know. Um, <laughs> so it's it's very bipolar. But I will say from the get go, this film is fucking shit. Let's be <laughs> honest, right? Even Brucey fucking bonus with his vest on, Dave can't save this. It is garbage. I don't know what the hell. I'm supposed to be watching. And I do think because it was filmed in the UK, they were trying to film it in France, weren't they? And they didn't have a studio. Yeah. And it's filmed at James Bond. It's filmed at um, is it Elstree Studios. Where, uh, not Elstree. Um, it's on the James it's Bond set. EastEnders, East yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've been the same pet, Dave. I should know that. But, but they filmed it on the James Bond set, basically. And there's so many English actors and so many B-movie 
Axis, me Tony, you know, God rest his soul, Tony Tiny Lister's just died. He's in it, mm. who's Zeus. He's not a great actor. You've got the, the bad guy out of 48 hours. He's in it, who, um, who's absolutely pretty crap in it. The, um, oh, what's he called? Uh, Brian, uh, Brian James. He's, he's in 48 hours. He's always a baddie. He's always an antagonist in, in different things. Uh, Tango and Cash Davies in as well. He's the one with the Cockney accent we did a few weeks ago. So, so yeah. you've got a real, a real sort of C-list worth of actors supporting Bruce Willis. I know that's what they were going for, Luke Beeson and that. But I just think when you see Luke the Beeson, sh- that- no, he, he created in it, Luke Beeson. Luke his name. Besson. yeah, him as well. Yeah, is he French? That's him as well. I, I know I'm very good at French, Dave. I was more of a Spanish guy myself. But so, so. He he knew this was uh, like it was going to be. He wanted it low budget. I mean, it cost ninety million. It wasn't that low budget at the time. However, when you see them ships at the start, they look like the star destroyers from fucking Star Wars, and they've cut the front off. Like they've they've had a fucking. They couldn't afford to build a full ship. It's just a yeah. rip off of Star Wars with some really bad. The outfits remind me of the Running Man. So, so the Star Wars stuff is just Star Wars ripped off, and then the guy, the way they're all dressed, reminds me of like Mick Fleetwood in Running Man, where they've got the berets on and all that. It's a very weird style, but obviously John Paul Gaultier did all the fashion for it as well, didn't he? So yeah, that sort of that's right. that French side to it. So, if I'm being honest, I didn't know what I was watching. I just think it's it's a mess of a start, and it doesn't get any better, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I do think this is kind of a bipolar movie isn't it you know it, it's it's got some great aspects to it like you said yeah. the the aesthetic to the whole movie is very distinctive i think it's very bright and colorful isn't it you know a lot of things like like say blade runner it's very dark and dour this is all very bright but it's still really lived in you know it's not kind of it's not like the star wars prequels you know where where it's all very clean and all very cgi and everything this is you know this this looks rough like say that kind of rough cyberpunk look so i think some of the some of the special effects you know mixing the practical effects and everything in there are really good but i think what throws me off initially in the in the opening scene i mean they're in egypt I I don't suppose you've ever been to Universal Studios. They've got this like mummy uh, sort of walkthrough ride. So you've got like actors and stuff. Chris, I remember the first time I went through, you walk through and they've got these like actors dressed up as a mummy. And But I had no idea the first time going around. And you're walking up to this corner and this fucking mummy appears from around the corner and grabs me on the shoulder. <laughs> I tell you what, I fucking shit myself. <laughs> it was proper, like, immersive. Um, but the opening, it just feels like that. It feels so clean. You know, you're not telling me that fucking Luke Perry's been walking through the desert there to get to this pyramid. He's so pristine and clean and washed yeah. and everything it just it just looks a little bit too fake that bit the the opening and by god this is slow yes and and the other thing as well these fucking armored space armadillos turn up <laughs> and it looks like something out of the muppets yeah you know it, yeah, it's, and it, it's, it's like i i just 
I'm not sure, am I supposed to take it seriously, or am I supposed to see it as some kind of galaxy quest, you know, tongue-in-cheek thing? Because it's not particularly funny, but like, say, you've got these Muppet-looking creatures. And and so, I, I, that's why I think it's slightly bipolar. I think there's some really good bits to it. But I think the worst crime this, this movie commits, really, is just that it's so slow in so many bits. There are some iconic moments, you know, that... that I'm sure we'll talk about. But right from the get-go, it's just so slow. You know, you get this whole build-up where the the Mondo Shounds, like, say, these space armadillos, they, they're trying to give the key, and then you fast-forward to the future, and then you meet John McClane, basically, like you say. Yeah. You know, he's, he's obviously got a military background, but he's just being a cab driver to, to make ends meet because he's so principled um yeah i i think it's it is very weird and and i i don't think it's consistent throughout the movie but what i what i didn't really understand at the time and even on this rewatch i'm not like i I, i'm not that clear on (laughs) is basically the space armadillos get shot out of the sky and all that is left is this hand from this space armadillo. And then basically, they regrow Lilo. <laughs> you know, so so I'm like... So basically, inside the armadillo suits, do you have... Is everyone just like this stunning, perfect, human-like uh, creature? Or... You know what I mean? Where they kind of gr- yeah. grew her from this hand. And with an amazing bikini, Dave, as well. Let's be honest, that... Bikini. And that's the, yeah, yeah that, there's nothing to the imagination. But also, I read that well, before the bikini went on. You know, you you didn't have to use your imagination. Well, no, you? you didn't. You didn't. But <laughs> but, but that Luke Bison or Bison, whatever you call him, he actually left his missus to get with Mila Jovovich, didn't, didn't he? When he was making the film, he ended up being married to her after this. For but they're not together now. They divorced. But um, I can see why, Dave. You're stunning I mean, looking have girl. You seen, have you seen Luke Luke Bison though? No. I mean, talk about punching above your weight. I mean, oh, he's done all right yeah. for himself there. <laughs> yeah, he's done well. Yeah, it must be the power thing, Dave. It must be. the I, uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird. But but I do I agree because like we, we don't get to meet Bruce Willis till about 15, 20 minutes in because we get this whole slow, ponderous backstory. And the, the film runs just over two hours. And I agree. A lot of the time, this should have been a 90-minute Straight in, straight out, bang, see ya. Do you know what I mean? Done. And and yeah. just, there was a lot of flannel and politi- political stuff. It almost felt in, ty- in times a little bit like a low-budget Phantom Menace. I know Phantom Menace come out mm. after this, but you know when you got the, the politics bollocks and all that with the Senate and all that stuff. The Trade Federation. The Trade Federation and all that. <laughs> you know, you had all that nonsense, didn't you? With, and, and it went through the whole trilogy. You had that all the time, them daft meetings and stuff. It did feel like that, but because the cast was so bad, there's no way I was buying Tiny Tony Lister as some fucking leader, President Lindbergh, Dave. I'm not buying that at all. <laughs> I was expecting him to come to get up and just fucking start kicking the shit out of people. He's about 6'8". He's a monster. I'm not saying he should always be stereotyped to Zeus and stuff out of, you know, um, No Old's Bard and the wrestling and stuff, but it was a hard thing to swallow. And then... Brian James as well. He tried to play comedy. And, and I think what you said is right. What I struggled with was one minute the film's trying to be serious. And then you've got Bruce Willis doing these like little skits 
these unfunny mm. skits that are not funny. You know, like things exploding, he's got no food, he's smoking, the cat's there around him. And and there was all things through that movie that weren't funny. But then the next scene, something dead serious had happened in that. And, it, and I just, I agree with the bipolar side of it. it it's just... He doesn't know what it wants to be. If it was going to be a satire type film with a few more laughs, I think Bruce Willis probably could have pulled it off. But I don't. I couldn't work out whether it was trying to be serious or because there's just some really random shit going on in this movie. Mm. You mentioned Brian James there when he puts. You know, he's trying to hide uh, the oh, military God. guys. Yeah. He hides in them the in fridge. the fridge, and then he opens it up, and then it's like. I don't know, police squad or something. It's like yeah. proper, like slapstick comedy stuff, isn't it? Yeah, they're all frozen, but, aren't they? It's just yeah, but yeah. it's just it's not consistent with the rest of the movie. It's just yeah, it's just all over the place for me. It is, and even Gary Oldman. I mean, Gary Oldman and Bruce Willis never share a scene. I was reading, which is just random. <laughs> That's right. You basically got the main villain. You know, is Gary Oldman, <laughs> and, and I have to say. I do think he plays a good character. And and yeah. that's that's the thing. I think the way, you know, Mila Jovovich uh, as Lilo, when she she's there, <laughs> actually I want to come back to a moment when she's unconscious, but uh, as Bruce Willis did, <laughs> when she's trying to figure yep. out English, I seem to remember at the time, I, I read a review at the time that was saying, oh, she's a terrible actor and what have you. And I just... I thought it was playing that kind of naive um, alien, basically, who's trying to figure out English. She's literally born yesterday, as Vision would say. Yeah. I, I, I thought she did a great job at, at playing this character, to be honest. But when she's fucking, you know, she ends up, she's escaped. You know, she's been regrown. She's escaped from the, the military. She's dropped into uh, John McLean's taxi. And then he takes her back. She, I can't remember how. She ends up unconscious. And then he just goes to fucking lay it on her. <laughs> <laughs> Straight what away. What is that all about? Yeah. There's no build-up or whatsoever. The fact that she is, she has literally just been born makes it even worse. Um, yeah, that's just incredibly rapey, Chris. Yeah, it was. And I'm out of character slightly for Bruce Willis because he was sort of like, oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, I get it. I get it because she had a gun. But I agree. I, look, I remember watching this and thinking at the time she was absolutely stunning. I mean, in 1997, Dave, I was 18, nearly 19 at the end of 97. She's stunning. She is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's a beautiful looking girl. I completely understand like all the plaudits for her and slagging off her accent, but it was a fake language that they put together, wasn't it? She said, that's probably how they met and how they got together, but uh, me, uh, Jovovich and, is it Jovovich? What the hell? I keep saying their fucking name wrong. Jovovich. Her as well, Jovovich, that's it. So Jovovich <laughs> and Bison. Or, or Lilu is Lilo. like her character. The character. Now, yeah, and Bison, I'm doing the French now, Dave, they actually wrote together letters. <laughs> keep saying that B, like a buzzy B. Is it be Bess? There's Besson. no two E's. That's it, Infinite. you just got it. Right, him as well. So so they they to get used to the language that she was speaking, they wrote letters to each other. I'm wondering that's how the relationship grew, Dave. You never know. So it it could have been well, the or, or you know, it's just 
would you like to be in my movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wear a bikini. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wear, this, wear this masking tape and uh, we'll be quids in. I mean, yeah. it is so iconic, isn't it? That if you think of Fifth Element, you do think of her in the masking tape. Yeah, her. These three things in the movie I always remember. Her, Bruce Willis's blonde hair and the vest he had on. Oh, God. And also, I know he's, he's hanging on for dear life there, but also the, I think thing he's fucking awful in this Chris Tucker I always remember it because he was brilliant in Rush Hour I remember going to cinema to watch the first two Rush Hours I actually thought he was great in them but mm. in this he's, he's he's a I mean one minute you think he's he's gay and he's trying it on with the next minute he's giving that fucking air steward S1 and he's not wrong with that if he's bi or whatever day but I think he's really sleazy and, and just horrible he's to get, like a, a host in he of a show and that and uh I don't know, because I remember thinking Tricky was the, the rapper, and I kept thinking, what's his name? And I had to look. I've only, I'm not saying like I knew. I knew straight away. God, because he, he was quite big, mid-90s. He was at a massive attack and that, so I remember mm-hmm. him. But I just think the supporting cast is just pretty weak, Dave. Like that that uh, Ian Holm, who plays Vito, he pops up all over the place. He's crap. He's a really bad foil. For, if Bruce Willis is not going to act, he's not a great actor per se, you need proper supporting people. I think it would have worked better if Gary Oldman had been with him, riffing off him in each scene. I think that would have worked, and maybe we would have got that ultimate bad guy feel to it where he's fighting adversity. It's just very strange the way they put it all together. Yeah, I mean, I guess Ian Holm, that, that's when you know it's filmed in the UK in Pinewood, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's know, it, Pinewood, yeah. You get, you get all the, uh, like you say, the daytime soap TV actors... I actually think the supporting cast is really good. And, you know, to slightly contradict what I was saying before about... Well, I, I don't think it does contradict it, but I, I think the character that Chris Tucker is playing, I think it's just so over the top and added into the Jean-Paul Gaultier costume design and everything. He is one of the things that I remember. And I just remember him being so kind of over the top you you do remember that performance whether you like it or not is a different thing but <laughs> you know i think he was going for it to be totally over the top and i i think this was pretty much his breakthrough role i like i don't know actually was he in rush hour before this i yeah, i remember I after rush i hour. think i saw this before i saw rush hour now whether it came out before is a different one I think Rush Hour was 98, uh, Dave, because it's when me and Sam, 99, me and Sam. Yeah, yeah, I'm together. looking now, it was 98. So yeah. yeah, I think he'd been in a few things before. I think Fridays where he'd, uh, where he'd met Sonny. Uh, sorry, not Sonny. Uh, <laughs> Sonny Lister. Um, <laughs> Tommy Lister. Yeah. Tiny. I think that it was Friday where they met. So... I, I think he was good. I think uh, Gary Oldman's performance was good in this as well. Um, that's probably it. <laughs> yeah. Um, like you say, the you know Brian Adams. I, I think it's Brian Adams. Fucking hell, Chris! I'm all over the place. Today. <laughs> Brian James. <laughs> Brian Adams. I didn't. See. Maybe he was in the cast as oh, well. We don't need that fucker doing the, the theme song, Dave. We'll be at number <laughs> one for I fucking do. weeks. Oh my god! <laughs> remember, remember when that was at number one for like oh ever? My. It was oh. like ridiculous when people used to care about the charts and stuff. Keep that meatloaf. Fuck me, Dave. I used to hate them two songs. <laughs> I would do anything for love. Oh, I hated them. Um, 
So yeah, Brian James as the buffoonish kind of military. Um, you know, the, the rest of the supporting cast isn't great, but um, no, I, I like some of the action, like when um, when Gary Oldman's trying to sell his weapons and stuff to those those aliens, those evil aliens again, who looked a bit <sighs> muppety. You know, again, I think the effects were quite good, but it gave it that kind of not to be taken serious feel. Yeah, I agree. And I think the Chris Tucker thing's the main one about taking it seriously because he's just he's just like a cartoon character, isn't he, really? That that's yeah. exactly what he is. So that takes it away again. Like that's what I'm trying to think. Is it supposed to be satire? What what were they going for? I, th- I think it is supposed to be fun, but I still think, you know, it's just tonally, it's a bit weird. None more so, Chris, when you get that blue-haired, uh, not blue-haired, that, like, blue alien doing the opera. Did you, did you remember that bit? Yeah, She's, yeah. like, singing away, and then you've got some action going on, you know, in parallel to that, and I, I just thought, it just feels French, Chris. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like too arty for me or something that I'm just not getting it. Um, I, I just thought that was very weird. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's the problem. It was trying to be too clever because obviously, um, I'm going to say his fucking name. Bison. Is it B? What, what is it, Dave? I keep saying it wrong. Besson. Besson. Right. Besson. That's him as well. Uh, he <laughs> wrote, he, no, he, he wrote this when he was 16, didn't he? And kept changing it. He, said yeah, he was 38 yeah, yeah. when he's come out. So, um, don't worry, guys. It's the power of the internet. I'm not some aficionado. I'm just really fascinated how this movie came to pass. But yeah, I just think it's a spectacle. I didn't care by the end of the film, Dave. I watched it in one sitting, and I do think a lot of the effects are good. I like the idea of the taxi, the Back to the Future type taxi and stuff, 300 years in front, the way it's all, the, the taxi came out, Bruce Willis, obviously, and all that. But I just think as a spectacle, as an execution of a film, it's just pretty poor for me really mm. but it has all the elements to be brilliant and i can understand why it's polarizing you either love it or hate it but i fucking hated it i'll be honest with you <laughs> well we usually say don't we if you've got a good baddie you know that's that's a, a a good footing you know you you're halfway to making a good movie there but the fact that gary oldman and bruce willis never come face to face or even have the kind of Hans Gruber uh, conversation over the phone back and forth. It, you know, there just isn't that tension. And I think you're right. It never really feels like you're building to a uh, building to a climax. You don't feel like really in th- in danger. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And, and yeah, just a, I'm really sorry. Thank you, Dave, for being Dylan. For Dylan. <laughs> it's Dylan. like, you pair of bastards. <laughs> <laughs> I've been praising you and you're fucking shitting on my film, but no, it, it just it does nothing for me, this film, unfortunately. Yeah, I, and I think, what do, what do you reckon to the end scene where we get this classic, I mean, it's a little bit of a James Bond trope, isn't it? Was it from oh. Moonraker? Yeah, there's, where, there's the shagging, basically, aren't they? Yeah, where he's keeping the British end up. And <laughs> basically, the, <laughs> the guy, you know, the military want to congratulate, uh, you know, Corbin and, and Lilu, And, you know, they go in and you get the slapstick kind of look through. You know, it's a bit carry-on, isn't it? It's like, ooh, 
they're shagging, yeah. you know, they're shagging in the tank kind of thing. I, I, I just, I just thought it was crap. I didn't think it worked. And again, no. she's like a week old at this point. Yeah. Well, Dave, I tell you, she's learned English already as well. She, 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 she did that while she was waiting for Brucey Bonus to, to come and rescue her, Dave. So she'd learned English. So yeah, yeah, he was definitely James Bond. I kept thinking of a view to a kill as well because I always wanted to be James Bond with that girl with the brown hair when he goes off in the. I think it's in like the ice cap thing or whatever they're in, and then they're just floating away in James Bond's there getting his leg over, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking ultimate hero, James Bond. Unbelievable when I was a kid. But yeah, just just poor and and yeah, not any more to say really, Dave. Yeah, I mean, Glenn, I I think uh, mentioned about the multi pass again. That's a little iconic moment, isn't it? The way she the way she says Lulu something multi pass. Um, so I think I think people are going to be coming after us, Chris. But <laughs> Bring I think it on. <laughs> we should get into our final review. Let's go. Now, Chris, where are you going to stick this one? <laughs> <laughs> There's an obvious answer, everybody. But no, I just didn't like it. I just, it's not absolutely awful, but I kept thinking, do I send it to the bottom? Do I send it, you know, just above? It's just not for me. You know, I always say I don't like sci-fi movies, Dave, and then all my greatest (laughs) films are sci-fi movies. I'm such a hypocrite. But even with Bruce Willis, it's just not enough to save it for me. The cinematography is great. And and the 2263, whatever it is, Fucking old, that's terrible. Twenty two sixty three, where it's set, it it worked. It was believable. I I, I can believe this. It, you know, it's from the nineties. It's set in the future. It's just a shit daytime TV acting that comes with it, and and the poor set work and and that is just awful. So I'm gonna have to send it right to the bottom, Dave. It's going Oof. to. It is. It's going to uh, Dan Sween. I don't even. You know what? Let, let's go through what the scores are, Dave, because I, I fucking forget. I know we just cross <laughs> over. So <laughs> if it's the worst thing ever, we'll send it to Dan Tween. That's correct, isn't it, Dave? We changed that, I didn't we? Was, from... I thought it was Alderon. Alderon. Alderon was Dan this is why we need to go through it again. <laughs> so it's Alderon because we can correct it. <laughs> We, we did have it as Dantooine for ages, and then it was like, ah, oh, crap. That, yeah. that was the one that she pretended the plans were on. Ah, uh, it yes, like, it was. It was Alderaan, you know, where, Alderaan. where she'd kind of grown up. That got blown up. I heard a thousand voices cry, Dave. But uh, yes, yeah, so Alderaan, and then we're going to go with Elm Street. If it's just still crap, but not as bad as Alderaan. Right in the middle is Hill Valley. Then we've got... Pleasantville, I'm getting there, Dave. I'm getting there. We we made these up, <laughs> and then if it's top of the tree, it's Cloud City. So there are your five options, guys. But I'm going to send it to the bottom, Dave. It's not absolutely the worst thing ever, but it's just for me. I'll never watch this again ever. Even if I catch it on TV, I'll turn it over. I really, really think it's a poor, poorly executed movie, and uh, yeah, it won't want to go back to. So what about yourself, Dave? 
Well, I, I, I don't think I'm going to quite be as harsh. Uh, I do think there are some redeemable things about it. Like, say, the, the style, the look of it, I think is uh, is quite iconic. The fact that it's so bright, you know, it's like the anti-Blade Runner kind of thing. Uh, the costumes, you know, very iconic as well. I think there are some good performances in this. I think, you know, Bruce Willis is playing John McClane, basically. Um but, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in and around our age uh, that fell in love with Mila Jovovich at this point, to yeah. be quite honest. Um, I'll probably never watch the whole movie again, but I might watch the bit where she gets regrown a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Privately. <laughs> Keep rewinding. Um no, I, I, I just think that it's, it's not enough. Um, I, this... I, I do like sci-fi, like quite a lot of, uh, you know, and the different types of it, but I, I just think the tone of this is just all over the place and it, it doesn't know what it's going to be. Uh, I really don't like the space armadillos or the aliens, the the look of those, and the fact that, you know, it it's kind of a bit silly in places. I mentioned the bit where the military guys get frozen in the fridge you know it's just uh, just a bit of nonsense for me so i think the re I, I can see why you know this has got a bit of a cult following but i agree this isn't for me either i'm not going to send it to alderaan uh, but i am going to send it to elm street chris oh that's fair enough dave that is fair enough i had a feeling that's where you were going to send it. So big thanks to Dylan as well. Sorry, mate, if you're listening. I know you will be. We apologise, but I just couldn't. I couldn't go with it. I just couldn't. So if you do want to support us like Dylan, get over to patreon.com forward slash VHS Strikes Back. Big thanks to Dylan. Big thanks to Tony Farina, um, Brent from the Cinema Chat Podcast, John Hammond. We've got uh, Maff, Jax, uh, Herb, Lucky Lulu Green and Kent Gustafsson. And there's one man that I've omitted, Dave, and I'm going to give him a lot of praise, is the, is the amazing uh, Mr. Blake Biles, Dave, who single-handedly keeps throwing out gifts of me and you <laughs> on the face swap. Now, the one he did of you and Willy Wonka the other day was amazing. Now, he's done some real shit ones. Even Rick Roll, mate, and has put on Chris Phelps, fucking Rick Astley, and said he did it as a Lauren Avedon fucking uh, footprint, the bastard. You know, the actual... Um, the thumbprint. Uh, thumbprint, sorry, footprint. I should know that, I do know my YouTubers. The, fun, the thumbprint, uh, which is brilliant, and he Rick Roll me as me. But the one he did the other day was rather good, Dave, and it was Mr. Ivan Drago. So I'll, I'll give him a bit of credit, but some of them, if you go on our VHS Strikes Back timeline on Twitter, are just brilliant. So big thanks, Mate, I re- honestly, we both chuckled because, I, honestly, Dave, the Willy Wonka one's one of his best. You just look so like Gene Wilder. It's fucking <laughs> brilliant. There's no way Ivan Drago's boxing with that schnoz. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Dave, the best boxers have got no scars. You know, at the end of the day, whatever he hits, he destroys. So that's it, Dave, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good that one, but um, no, that's that's awesome, Chris. Now, next week, Chris, what are we going to review? Because I've just got it down in the calendar as Chris's pick. Well, Dave, I was watching Gogglebox last week, and something came up, and I was like, I know I get slated by every man and his dog telling me that the Chris Phelps top twenty movies of all time includes about fifty movies, <laughs> but this is a movie that we should have done when we first started the VHS strike back in that first 10 movies. I, I can't believe 
I didn't pick this. It's one of my favourite franchises. I've been to the cinema. I've got the collector's editions on Blu-ray of every movie. Uh, by the third one, I think, which I did enjoy the third one. It gets slated. And I'm going to give you, Dave, a little bit of dialogue, okay? So it may be in, it's going to be in the Chris Phelps American accent, okay? You ready, Dave? Go on. See if you can get... Well, you actually know what this is, but see if you can, if you can get this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here we go. Anybody hear that? It's an it's an impact tremor. That's what it is. I'm fairly alarmed here. <laughs> no one's going to know what the fuck that is, Dave. But tell them what it is, Dave. <laughs> is it Jurassic Park, Chris? <laughs> As Alan Partridge says, Jurassic Park. Correct. All I'm going to say to you all is I should have picked this a long time ago. I love Jurassic Park. I got this on a dodgy copy VHS in the mid, about 93, 94 when it came out. They were proper shit uh, rip video. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I fell in love with it. And after that, I've been to the cinema to watch all of them. I love them. The Chris Pratt one was on the other day again. And I was I went back and watched it again, the second one. So so I love them. And I know they've just finished the latest Jurassic Park. So yeah, this one and the trailer is the original 1993 with Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, it is Jurassic Park. Since the beginning of time, Man has searched the earth for evidence of its past. But while some have looked for clues to the mystery, one man has found the way to bring the mystery back to life. I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. And I spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve here. On this private island, science has defied evolution. Where do you get a hundred million year old dinosaur plot? Genetics has mastered creations. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. And extinction is a thing of the past. Welcome to Jurassic Park. None of these attractions are ready yet, of course, but the park will open with the basic tour you're about to take. Hey, look at this. You see something? Dinosaurs and man. Two species separated by 65 million years of evolution have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea? You feel that?
Jurassic Park. So Dave, thank you for indulging me on that one. And thanks to everyone else as always. If you want to follow us at VHS Strikes Back on social media, if you want to email us the VHS Strikes Back at gmail.com and drop us a review on your podcast catching app. If you can find us, so Dave, <laughs> it's been a great episode. And I'll see you next time. Bye now. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Maybe we could build a fire, sing a couple of songs, huh? Why don't we try that? We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. I'll be back. That's not. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Wax on, wax off. Yeah, maybe you're stupid. You're crazy, man. Breathing heavy. He's a fool. He's stupid. I see you. I see you.